Bases loaded and one out. Marcus oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Grand slam. Welcome in. We are back. We're talking early struggles. We have some playing time concerns, as always. We also have me losing my notes to start the show, but we are going to dive right in as soon as I pull those notes back up because we have a lot to talk about. And the first thing we are going to discuss today is going to be none other than the good old Cardinals lineup. We're diving right into the fun stuff here. I don't understand what's going on with Tyler O'Neill, but what I do know is that Tyler O'Neill is not getting the playing time that he probably, I would say, arguably deserves. Now, he has played three straight, so you're thinking, Mike, what the hell are you talking about? He's not getting playing time. Well, those three starts in a row came with the fact that multiple players had days off. For instance, uh, this day, this first uh, start was with Burleson at DH because uh, Goldschmidt had a day off. This start came with uh, Walker out, and then this start came against a lefty. And we know O'Neill's going to play against lefties because guys like Newt Bard don't start against lefties. Burleson won't start against lefties. That's why Carlson was also playing yesterday's game. And Carlson playing center field. And then you have uh, Carlson playing center field here as well with over Newt Bar playing right field and then Newt Bar playing center field over O'Neill. O'Neill's initial path to playing time was winning that center field job at exiting spring. So the fact that he's no longer uh, doing that, you know, no longer in the uh, in center field, that kind of concerned me because I'm like, well, that was his spot. And the two starts when Newt Bar returned, they threw Newt Bar right into center field. And Newbar took, you know, he started two straight there. And these are both against righties. Not only is it both against righties, uh, but this lineup also had Burleson healthy in, in, the, in the field for both games. I know he has a little nicked up. That's why the DH start happened for two straight because he's a little nicked up right now. But Burleson against righties was in. Then you had uh, Newbar obviously in and Walker obviously in at least one of them. I don't know where, oh, here he is. So those are the three starting outfielders it looks like right now. And then O'Neill again, plugging in holes as a fourth outfield slash utility, or sorry, slash uh, weak side platoon bat. So Tyler O'Neill, although deserving, I think he's still in the doghouse. I think O'Neill, you saw O'Neill, he's like, I think a three game history. Now he's hit three, he's hit safely in three straight overall in the year, not having a terrible year either. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe Rolson's just getting extended looks because he's earned it. He's even hitting second over Newbar. So all things considered right now, although although uh, O'Neal is earning it, I don't know if he's going to suddenly just keep going. Tomorrow, he's all, they're all, they have an off game today. So the big thing here for O'Neal, we're watching, pretty much we're watching it like this. We're, we're watching next, tomorrow's start because tomorrow's start, you have a day off for the Cardinals. Everybody should be healthy, rested, and we should get a full legitimate look at a righty again. And if O'Neal's in, obviously these two sits that he had won't, necess- won't necessarily stick. However, if he's, but that's the thing. So, however, I'm kind of thinking this might be more normal, and that's unfortunate for O'Neill's playing time. That might limit O'Neill to, I don't know, three to four games a week moving forward. Platoon slash fourth outfield role isn't very fantasy friendly, but we are still watching. The playing time has been there, but again, we mentioned why. I don't think we can react. Like, we're not dropping Tyler O'Neill by any means. And the next guy we're going to discuss here is going to be good old fan favorite here in general, seems like, is uh, Alec Manoa. Now, Statcast is blue and whatever. No, I don't really care about sliders, honestly. But what I do care about here with Manoa, he's allowing a ton of hard hits, which is what I wanted to highlight here. So that's an issue. He's, you know, 27th percentile hard hit rates. But not just that. We're seeing a bunch of this issue. You see that slider? You see the sinker? You see the four-seamer? You know what you're seeing here? A lot of issues commanding and controlling the, the his pitches right now, which shows, you know, again, the walks are an issue. 
He's not inducing as many chases and swinging strikes. And those are not only are those lower than usual, but they're like below, they're overall below average as well. Unfortunately, what you're seeing here from Manoa is actually being earned. He is struggling. He's not playing well. And he's doing nothing in terms of producing uh, in the underlying metrics that suggest anything or anything better is going to be coming. He's, he needs to get these, these walks under control. Look at this walk rate. It's obviously it's it's what it is, is it's weird because you're seeing these this walk rate, the strikeout rate being lower than ever in his career, the walk rate being twice as high pretty much as anything as anything's ever posted. Hard hit rate, 50, 14 points higher. You, you would think there's regression coming, positive regression due to his track record. But it's only going to happen if he can stop hit, like leaving the ball in the zone as much as he is. It's a huge issue right now. For those watching on YouTube, you're seeing the graphic here. You're seeing how much he's leaving it in the zone. However, for those listening, again, check you can check out the video on youtube.com slash edgtfantasy where you can subscribe and keep along with all these. Because, again, these are live streams that are being – the recordings are being uploaded. But you're also seeing a change in pitch mix. And I'm wondering why to go why go away from the four-seamer. Not that the four-seamer was anything – I mean, it was good last year. He obviously wasn't getting crushed last year. He even had a 20, even had a 26% whiff rate on it. This year, he still has a 30% whiff rate, and it's still better than the sinker. Why is he going sinker heavy all of a sudden? I don't understand. He did throw the sinker 25.8% of the time, so it's not like it's up much more, but he's throwing it more than the four-seamer, and I don't know why he's leaning on it a little more than the four-seamer compared to last year, where the four-seamer was uh, far more utilized, about 10% more utilized last year, whereas this year it's thrown less than the sinker, even if it's only by half a percentage. And that sinker's getting absolutely obliterated. And it should, it's actually getting lucky. With a 455 slug against it, it's actually an X-slug of 668. An X-Woba of 474 compared to a 387 Woba. This sinker is getting decimated, and it's his second most thrown pitch. And we saw exactly why. He's leaving that sinker over the heart of the plate. And Manoa is going to continue to get crushed until he fixes that, until he addresses that issue. I do have a trade question in the chat from Mike D. Trade Pablo Lopez for Yandy. I... No, Yandy's hot. I do buy into what we're seeing, and I understand your concern for Jose Abreu. However, Pablo Lopez is worth way more right now in fantasy. He is legitimately like a top 15 guy, in mo maybe a top 20 guy being conservative, but he's everything we're seeing about Pablo is very much legitimate. We can talk about him in a little bit as well. George Kirby's been just rather meh. I want to talk about him because he has a start coming up uh, tomorrow on Friday. So the thing about Kirby as a whole, I, I just – it's just – it's not bad production. I mean, look, he's not walking anybody, but he's, the strikeouts took a dip. The ERA, the XERA is a little high, but the ERA and other underlying indicators are suggesting it's kind of who he is, like a mid to upper threes guy. He's not, he he keeps the hard hits limited. The Ks are just taking a big hit. It's almost like he's pitching to contact more. Obviously, again, goes back to look at these heat maps. He's obviously hitting the zone a ton. And I'll pull up, I'm actually going to pull up his uh, fan graphs page real quick. And Kirby. What caught my attention with him was that I was like, he's just not striking out anybody. And it's showing. It almost it reminds me a lot of Bieber, unfortunately, in terms of strikeout stuff, just taking a hit and being very, you know, big on the control, hitting the zone. Obviously, look, he's allowing he's allowing a ton of contact. We'll get to that in a moment. But the strain rates are fine. The Babip's actually been rather unlucky, but he's always been kind of a 330s Babip type for the most part, even in the minors. So 345 isn't overly unlucky. He's limiting home runs, which again, he did last year as well. He wasn't really a big home run guy, but he's doing this while allowing more fly balls than last year. This is George Kirby we're speaking about. And uh, overall, you scroll down to like his plate discipline metrics here, and you're seeing that like average chase rate, way below average swing strike rate. If we pull up the averages, look, average right now in the league is 11.1. .1, his is 8.5. His uh, chase rate's about league average. What he's getting is a ton of contact, especially in the zone. He has a 93.1% zone contact rate. And for a pitcher, that is roughly, what, about eight points higher than league average, give or take. And he's attacking the zone, 52.6% zone rate, league average being 41.5%. He's legitimately attacking the zone, inducing weak contact. It's working. 
he's just been better for real life than he's been for uh fantasy purposes and brady singer it's funny so if you I mean, it might be a wild mike but he is on the outline actually because uh you know i'll skip the, i'll skip to it because we're talking about struggling people and i guess he is technically struggling and i should have put him part of this top part so we'll, we'll jump over to brady singer he is on the outline though so let me get to my notes and i'll bring up brady singer's page right now so brady singer <laughs> allowing a lot of hard hits look at that he is the, the worst in the league in terms of like or bottom percentile of the league of all of these metrics so he's allowing too many hard hits but when you actually look at some of the underlying metrics, that's been the issue though. He's just he's just getting hit hard. Look at that again. You, I just I like to look at these these heat maps because you see the sinker. That's probably why he's struggling. He, he's look at the sinker. It's just it's the most on pitch fifty percent of the time while living down the middle pretty much. He's not hitting the, the shadow zone, which is where you want you know you want to locate just outside. He's getting crushed, and the sinker's just getting decimated. All of his pitches are getting crushed. But it's funny because he still has that swing and miss stuff. He still has a twenty percent strikeout rate. He's not walking a whole lot of people. Unfortunately, he's leaving a lot. He's getting absolutely crushed, leaving pitches in the zone. And he had a he has a 3.95 Sierra and a 3.61 XFIP. So we know he's better than what he's been so far. However, Singer's overall production has been earned due to just he's getting hit hard. It's it is what it is. I, I do think there's better days ahead, though. I don't think this is who he is all of a sudden. However, starting Singer with any confidence just isn't happening it isn't something you can do right now i i wouldn't be starting him with any real confidence and that was so that was brady singer we're gonna go back to the uh we're gonna go back to so george curry we talked about singer lance lynn he's the guy that a lot of people are, are are discouraged about and a lot of it is the same thing if you look at lance lynn he's allowing too many home runs and the hard hit rate is also very low or very yeah it's very high sorry he's is in 17th percentile of hard hit rate for among starting pitchers what, but what you're getting Walk, strikeouts are still there walks are an issue this is the first time he's had a nine percent walk rate since what 2018 so that's another thing he's not locating well it, it shows he's missing in and out of the zone however he lance lynn is still getting the strikeouts so once he gets that once he is able to get location better in terms of locating wall, the ball better and doesn't not missing the zone again four seamer not down the middle but up and up in the zone a lot it's hitting the inside of the zone and let's see how it's actually performing this year the four seamer getting absolutely demolished <laughs> I mean, he's a little unlucky with it in terms of the batting average against, but the Woba and ex-Woba and the slug, all that's been pretty much earned. He's It's still getting absolutely, like I said, absolutely demolished is the only word you can really use for it. Nothing really changed in the profile, though. Same uh, pitch mix for the most part. Same. The underlying metrics were also rather favorable for him, if memory serves. I will. Oh, yeah, he has a 404 BABIP. I actually have his Fairgrass page up. So he has a, his bad bit is really unlucky. Obviously, the strain rate should correct itself a little bit too. Obviously, he's a career 75.4% walk uh, strain rate guy, and league average is usually right around there as well. So we should see a little improvement there. But we're seeing again the home runs are just crushing him right now. And if you look at the Sierra, it was also like 393. Even if Lynn is more of a high three, low four guy, and, and right now, the way things are going, you would take that. But I do think overall, you like seeing that the strikeouts are still there. You like seeing that there's going to be innings. I do think Lance Lynn is going to bounce back and be better than what he's shown. But I don't I don't know really. I just honestly not 100% sure how to feel. I mean, and he's not even getting the chases, which is weird. So it's like he's not. And part of the issue with the walks is that although the swing strike rate is still above average for him, for Lance Lynn, and he's not, he's actually allowing blow, like lower contact rates than usual. He's not inducing the chases. Last year, Lance Lynn had a 35.9% chase rate. The year before that, 32.1%. So even if last year was the outlier, it is a sub-30% rate right now. For Lynn, it is 29.4% O-swing. 
The thing about this being the issue is that the swing and miss stuff is still there. Lancelin is still getting the strikeouts without inducing chases. So if he's not inducing, if he's not inducing chases, either A, he's missing his spots that badly, or B, hitters are just waiting for him to throw strikes and hitters are waiting on their pitches and getting them. All things considered, I do think that this will correct itself. That's what I'm saying. I'm trusting the track record here. Obviously, he's getting a little lucky with the called strikes, considering it's a 16.8% rate on called strikes. With the last time it was ever that high, it was actually 2012, to give you a reference. So he's not usually getting this. So when he's living or he's trying to live on the edge, he's getting some called strikes. However, he's also uh, getting crushed when he leaves up ball over the middle. He's just having issues locating, which you're seeing a lot of. If you haven't noticed, one thing we've noticed with uh, these pitchers early on is that one thing we've noticed with pitchers early on is that they're all getting crushed right now. Pitchers are getting absolutely crushed, decimated. I'm using the same words over again because, first off, my vocabulary is rather limited. <laughs> Secondly, it's just frustrating because these guys, they're all better. A lot of these guys are better than what they're showing us. However, they just aren't hitting their spots. And I think a lot of it is just pitchers getting comfortable. Pitchers are learning to adapt. And the new rules, there's a lot going on. Who knows? Maybe there's a new ball in play. Maybe it's a little slicker. There are There's some bad weather. There's, there's cold weather games still. There's wet weather. There's a lot of rain we've seen lately. And Wheeler's another good example. We could talk about him in a little bit. But before we talk about him, we're going to get to talk about Freddie Peralta. And Peralta, by by the looks of things, looks great. You know, low three ERA. The strikeouts are back. He's not walking. He's still walking, you know, a little bit more than you'd like. But you'll take it if the rest is going to be there, right? However, I'm not as optimistic. I think we could be in for a, a little bit of a regression in the strikeouts if some of this stuff doesn't correct itself. And we'll talk about why. The last outing for him, for Freddie Peralta, Less than ideal. I mean, it was actually a good one, but then he came in, came out for, I think it was a sixth inning and gave up a two-run home run, which hurt the overall line. But we saw him be good. And obviously, you have the FIP, the XFIP, all in below four. Obviously, the XFIP being near four, FIP being three, low threes, and the Sierra being 4.05. So, again, he is being a little, a little lucky compared to what, what the numbers are showing. The bad bit was 304, which is actually kind of high for him. Last two years, it's never been over 246. So, there's give and take. Here's what I'm talking about for Peralta. But one thing I did notice when looking at his metrics, and again, if you're watching, you're seeing me scroll like a madman down to the page. Look at this O-swing, 24% O-swing. Again, league average being 31.5%, career 29.9% O-swing, which is a chase rate, which is how many how much, how much many swings you're getting outside the zone. Also, the swing strike rate, a career low 9.5% to this point, with league average being 11.1, I believe it was. He's getting a lot of call strikes, which is carrying that CSW rate overall. But he's allowing more contact than ever. He's in the zone, not even as much as ever. That's why it's like he's getting. I think they'll call. I think the call strikes are carrying the strikeout rate. And if he's not inducing uh, chases, if he's not inducing swinging strikes, I think Peralta's K rate is due to regress. If those don't, you know, pop up along with what we're seeing in the underlying metrics. But I do enjoy and like the fact that he is performing right now, getting by. And I think Peralta will settle in and still be solid. But it's like if you're in a trades league, maybe he's a sell high. The velocity is also back, which is important to mention. At the right here, it shows right here the velocity right here, four seam velocity. It's up from 92.9 to 95.1 this year, which goes hand in hand with some of the success and more velocity. So I do think that there's a happy medium here. I do think he's closer to the pitcher we're seeing right now than what he was when he struggled. However, just keep in mind that the strikeouts might uh, tail off a little bit if he can't get more chases and more swinging strikes. Next player we're talking about here is Edward Cabrera. And with Cabrera, it's really simple. He is, oh, here it is. So he dropped the sinker altogether. We're going to look at his actual, and I'm and for people watching again, people watching, I'm actually doing this like live in terms of like showing people how I get these, this information on Savant if you're not too familiar doing it. So we're looking at it per game. We're looking at it like per game pitch mixes and stuff. And you'll see there's huge changes. The first two 
first two games, not that he threw it a lot, but the sinker was, you know, utilized even a little bit. The slider was utilized 5.9% and, and then as high as 12.9% the second start. He completely dropped the sinker. The slider usage dipped to non-existent these last two starts for uh, Edward Cabrera. And he's really heavily focused on a curveball, four-seam, change-up mix. Now, the fluctuation of those three pitches from each last two starts is notable. But my point, I think the biggest takeaway was that we see some tangible change in terms of production. The, the walks are down. The strikeouts are always there for him. But we're seeing him actually succeed these last two starts with a kind of like, a, okay, we're going to drop a couple pitches and just focus on a three-pitch mix versus having, you know, four to five in the, in the arsenal. And sometimes less is more, especially when you have a changeup with a whiff rate of 54.2%, a curveball with a whiff rate of 50%. That was last start, I should say, not overall. And it works for him. I, I guess that's what I'm getting as it. it's been working for him. This pitch mix has been working for him, and that's kind of a big deal. And we're going to look at the overall pitch mix on the year and the changeup Still a solid 38.7% whiff rate. The curveball, a very strong 42.5% whiff rate. And he's utilizing them heavily, 25% of the time for the curveball, 35.2% of the changeup. And the fastball sits in the middle with a 33% usage rate. And he's leaning heavily on changeup curveball and having and having two off-speed pitches being what composes up like two-thirds of his arsenal, basically. You'd like to see that in today's day because, you know, seeing the fastball, like it's a fastball these days is just very hittable. You know, most hitters do hit it, but you know, his slugging percentage is 714. X slug of 408. He's been rather unlucky. Woba four five fourteen on the fastball, X Woba 386. So although the fastball isn't necessarily the strength, it is better than it has been as long as he doesn't locate it here. If you look if you're looking at this again, if you're watching the graphic, you'll see that he's low uh is locating the fastball up in the zone, which is, which is where you want it, but he lives in the zone a little bit, but you're interesting a bunch of the another hot zone right next to it. That's kind of living off of the zone a little bit. And I think that's where he would prefer to live. Then, you know, here towards the bottom end of that hot zone that is going to get crushed. But I think the fastball is going to see better days. I think Cabrera correcting the walks was huge. And we've seen two straight starts now where the walks have been like two or less. I think, I think Cabrera is a solid back end starter with a SP three upside is what I would, is what I called it yesterday. I don't know if there's room for more. I think there's too much inconsistency to call for more than, than Cabrera being a, a SP3. Alec Bohm is showing some power gains here early on. Now, there are going to be some ups and downs here with Bohm because Bohm, although it took him, I think I tweeted out yesterday, it took him like 70 play appearances, give or take, to get the three home runs. Last year, it took him over like 140. So basically half the time, he he took about half the time to get to the same to the same amount of home runs you know, from the start of last year or from the start of uh, this year. However, Bohm, it's going to be an issue because Bohm has, you know, he could barrel with the best of them. His hard hit rate is the highest of his career. The barrel rate's the highest since 2020. The uh, On the surface, you look at the pull rate. Oh, the pull rate's up. Great. The fly ball rate and line drive rates are good. Line drive rates, are, it's actually like an elite line drive rate. If it sustains, he is a good line drive hitter. And Bohm's batting average being over 300 isn't an accident. The dude can hit for average. When you look at what, when you look at what might stop the power from, you know, fully breaking out, if you go under Bohm's splits and you look at his pull rate and the pull ground balls are still very high. He has a 65.2% pull ground ball rate. Meanwhile, the pull fly ball rate is only 13%. And that's going to be an issue in terms of producing consistent power and really having that power breakout. That was the big issue with Bohm last year. He can elevate the ball. He can hit a ton of line drives. He's going to hit for good average. The home runs are capped while he's not pulling the fly balls. Lack of pull fly balls, lack of pulled anything will lead to less power production, which is what you've seen with Torkelson in the past as well, a guy that notoriously goes the opposite way. And I think Bohm's power is good enough to hit about 20 home runs, maybe push 25. But the issue is, is that that's the cap considering the approach. 
And again, there's give and take here. Bohm will be a batting average asset. He should move up the, I don't know if he's going to move up the lineup. He hasn't yet, which is weird, but we've seen him move up the lineup before. And I think as long as Stott and Marsh hit the way they have been, it's hard to get another righty bat up there because they need more lefties than they do righties at the top right now. But like I said, I was just looking at Bohm and that pull fly ball rate is going to, the fact that it's so limited and it's inconsistently a limiting factor for him is why I don't necessarily buy in to the power being a full breakout, but we are seeing power improvements. And part of it could just be the fact that he put on that extra muscle, put on that weight, and uh, it's producing, it's helping the, the 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 opposite field stuff, you know, get out and the center field stuff, wherever he's getting those five balls, getting them over the fence. Jameson Tyone's having a nice little strong start to the year. Nice, I shouldn't say little. It's a pretty notable start on the season. And what we have here for Tyone is the strand rate is probably going to regress, but positively, actually. So he might have some better luck coming his way. And the Babbitt, sure. So it's like, it's funny because, like, yeah, it's a 450 ERA, but his last start was, I believe it was his last start that kind of caught my attention. And I, I went digging and strand rate 57.9%, league average again, being about seven in the mid 70s with a career 74% strand rate. So that's normal for him. He should get better there. Hasn't given up a home run yet. So obviously there's going to be some give and take here. He will get more strands. He will probably likely, the Babbitt should decrease because he's a career 296 Babbitt, not going above 276 each of the last two years. However, 357 right now seems rather unlucky. And all the indicators show him no higher than what a four. Okay, a four. Oh, that's an ERA. No, a 382 Sierra. So yeah, the highest indicators is XFIP at 4.12. But the other three, the XERA, the FIP, and the Sierra are all sub four. But regardless, you draft him to be kind of this back end guy. And he's giving you at least the strikeouts right now. Career high 19.4 uh, strikeout minus walk rate. That's great. However, with Tyone, the thing about him was another guy that's like getting these strikeouts without really getting the swinging strikes or the or the chases. He's getting decent call strike rates, but he's still not doing that well. The CSW is only 24.2%. It's below league, it's below his average and below league average. So I don't understand. He's, he's allowing contact. I, I'm not sure the strikeouts. I think the strikeouts are kind of fluky, considering the lack of chases, lack of swing and misses. He did change up his pitch mix, obviously. It's been a big deal. You know, He added a sweeper, I believe it was. Is it the sweeper that he added? Yeah, it is. And he's throwing it 12.6% of the time. Overall, just revamped it. You, know, you have the cutter he's throwing majority of the time right now. The four-seamer he's leaning on against lefties compared to overall last year, which he still throw mostly against lefties last year, but overall he leans on it less, about, what, 12% less. Uh, sinkers, you know, again, you just look, if you just look at these two things, he's just a complete revamping of the of the, of the the arsenal. But Tyone, more still in that streamer territory for me, not a guy I'm going out and trying to buy buy low. I mean, I'll buy low on him because, again, people are probably seeing the ERA numbers. What are, what are How many wins does he have? I know you got I'm scrolling. I'm just curious. I don't really think wins don't matter, but he's 0-2. He could be a guy that's probably better off in deeper formats, a guy that you can just go out and plug in. But he's overall, there's better days ahead. I just think there might be some give and take. You know, he might lose a little bit of the Ks and gain some better ratios in the process. Like That's just what it seems like in the profile. Let's talk about Anthony Volpe. I tweeted about this morning. Don't mind my DMs. But uh, Anthony Volpe is uh, looking good in the leadoff spot. If you look at what's going on here in the leadoff spot, five games so far. Again, very small sample, 22 play appearances. But Walking as much as he's striking out, both at very strong rates. Batting 278 with a 909 OPS, batting first in that lineup. Uh, 401 Woba, 162 WRC Plus. He's let off three straight and five of the last seven. This is the tweet I tweeted out this morning, so I'm reading it straight from it, and you're watching him hit a home run. Uh, he hit his first home run of the year as a leadoff hitter as well against a rather strong Twins rotation, even if it was Varland who was pitching. And Varland looked great. We're actually going to talk about him a little bit later. But all things considered, arrows pointing up for Volpe for after a slow start. I think he was worth holding on to. Obviously, some people were talking about dropping him for guys like uh, Neto and 
others. Uh, he was a hold for me this whole time. So, so far, it looks like he's coming around. Tyler Molly, a guy that I feel like we're just kind of like kind of underperforming. I do think he's going to be better than the 411 ERA he's had to this point. But Molly, his big issue has been allowing too many hard hits as well. But other than that, other than a 25% home run to fly ball rate, Molly is a guy that also kind of reinvented his arsenal a little bit. A lot more sliders. Last I checked, it was, yeah, like, like what, 18%? I think I have the numbers, the, what I wrote down. But things changed. I write these numbers down, and then, like, they have one start and change things up. But last I checked, it was, like, 18% change in the slider overall usage, and it's now the second most thrown pitch this year compared to being at fourth, being the fourth most thrown pitch. He went from a four-pitch mix to more of a three, obviously pretty much getting rid of that cutter that he was throwing 12 over 12% of the time, almost 13, almost 13% of the time. Molly threw that cutter. Now it's 1.5% for reference. The split finger, obviously about in line with last year, but it's really been a, a four seam slider splitter in that order. The, uh, pre- the pitch mix he's been really focusing on. And with it, we've seen Molly kind of bounce back again. We're talking about a guy that the home runs are hurting him. The strikeouts have been there. The strikeouts are actually in line with the 2021 season, which we, you know, was, Molly's been, Molly was great in Cincinnati those two years that we really liked him. Had a little bit of a down year last year. Now the Twins have tr- pretty much become known for pitching all of a sudden. The Twins are crushing, absolutely crushing the pitching side of things. And Molly's no exception. 20% K minus walk rate, currently a career high. The strikeouts, again, have been there. Walks aren't an issue. I do think that the home runs are going to correct themselves because I don't think he's suddenly a 25% home run to fly, fly ball guy. And Another guy, he's a guy at least having above, uh, you know, slightly above league average uh, metrics. Not, nothing crazy, nothing like 1%, pretty much, well, it's crazy. He's 1% better than league average on his O swing and swing strike rate while not a lot, while allowing like less than like 4% less than overall contact. I think the swing and miss is there to stay as well. I don't see anything, any reason to think that he can't improve. And the Babbitt is 359, another guy that's getting eaten up by the Babbitt monster. 359 Babbitt, career 299 guy, 278 and 297 each of the last two years, respectively, for Molly. So I really like what Molly has. I have a question in the chat here. Tyone would be go- doing the Logan Webb 22. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. but the problem with the Logan Webb, the issue, my issue with Logan Webb, Ezra, you mentioned Logan Webb comp from 2022, is that Webb's obviously changes. He went back to the strikeout thing, and depending on a lot of contact, and it, when the, now that the ship is gone, I think that's a dangerous game to play. You don't want to have a guy. I, I should go look at team ranks in terms of like defense, but you don't want to have to depend on depend on uh, defense right now. You want guys striking people out with the shift being banned and all that. Oh, cross! I hate you. Hi. Uh, so back to the Twins though, overall, Molly. I like what we're seeing there, and uh, Sonny Gray is another guy. Huge change in Arsenal, having a lot of early success. Their their regression monster. The regression monster is going to come for him, though. He, as much as I love him, I have him on the main event. He's been carrying me. Him and Justin Steele, both those guys are amazing right now. Both of them are pitching over their heads right now, and I can say that with an unbiased look at them because realistically, Gray and Steele are going to have some bumps in the road. But what's encouraging about Justin Steele, which is not even on my outline. Uh, so we'll get to Logan Gilbert here in a second because he's who I pulled up. But Steele, the thing about him is that he's continued over with that uh, two heavy two-pitch arsenal. And it's funny because, you know, Strider's a two-pitch pitcher. And I, you can't put these guys in the same sentence because they're not the same guy. Strider is head and shoulders above head and shoulders above Steele. But Steele's really flourishing with a fastball-slider combination. That's pretty much all he's throwing. He started that last year in the second half, had success for those few innings, got hurt. Came back, lost all that hype because Wesneski took it over, and then Steele turned around, and he's having that success featuring the same exact mix that got him the success in the first place while having the ability to throw, I think, upwards of five pitches anyway. But he doesn't throw them nearly enough. He just depends on those two, and it gets them by. And so far, so good. So enjoy the ride there. But Logan Gilbert, 
I just want to mention something I thought was fun, uh, interesting with him. He's, I think he's getting more comfortable with the splitter because if you look at it, four straight starts, that splitter has ticked up. Yes, I already changed it over, but if you look at 9.4, 9.9, 14%, and then 20% usage on the splitter while he slowly gets rid of the curveball. That splitter, which he added in the offseason after going to driveline, Gilbert has slowly incorporated it more and more into his pitch mix as high as 20% in his last start. And with it, we've seen the strikeouts be really strong for him. He, uh, what is it? It's a 31.1% strikeout rate, only a 4.4% uh, walk rate. He got last, last outing, he did get hit tagged from the long, long ball a little bit, but the hard hit rate is the lowest of his career to this point. The X Woba is top 10% of the league at two at 241 overall, even with a 267 Woba. So he's technically a little unlucky right now. But all things considered, you're liking what you're seeing from Logan Gilbert. He's taking that step forward, I think, whereas Kirby hasn't quite turned that corner yet, whereas Kirby was kind of the favorite of the two entering the year as the guy who would take the bigger step forward. I do think it's Logan Gilbert doing what we hoped uh, Kirby would in terms of that step forward. Uh, also, what might, some people might have been alarmed by the fact that, oh, his four-seamer has less velocity on it. However, um, I guess I'll pull it up real quick while we're talking about it, but the four-seamer as a whole – is actually down on, on velocity, right? Like, okay, cool. It's 94.5 miles per hour compared to 96.1. That's a big drop, right? However, if you look at the movement profiles, it's up 1.3 inches of vertical movement while being down, while being down, um, I think is a 2.2 uh, horizontal movement. So obviously vertical means up, horizontal means rise. So he's getting more rise out of it, less ride. It's a different profile, It's and it's, but it's, I guess it's working for him. I mean, <laughs> that's why he's throwing it. I think he's throwing it slower because of the uh because of the added movement but also if you look at his extension on it big thing here so extension went up extension's going up across the board actually on all his pitches extension adds uh to the i can't think of the word wow the the not the deficit's not the word it's um when you can't when you're like kind of confusing people you're tricking them you're uh this deception is the word deception is the word you're looking at the extension increase for these pitches so he doesn't have to throw the fastball as hard because he's getting more extension on it which adds to the difficulty of hitters seeing it anyway. So there's give and take there. Maybe it's breaking even in terms of how the hitters are seeing it. But overall, the fastball's played just fine. A little bit of a you know heart. It's been hit five, 514 slug, but the X slug is only 363. Woba on the four seam is 380. X Woba 227. He's been rather unlucky with it. I do think that fastball is playing up just fine. And again, it plays really well to complement the rest of his pitches that, that we see going on so far this season. So all things considered, for uh for Logan Gilbert, I really like what we're seeing early. We talked about this player uh, earlier, Louis Varland. I want to talk about him because he's a big time watch list guy. Oh, sorry, someone's talking about Logan Webb in the comments real quick. Webb's slider pitch movement profile has changed since 2021. Yeah, so the slider. Also, there was something else that he's like locating his sinker up in the zone this year. I think it was, and so we're getting the K's this year from Webb. It was I looked into him a couple of shows ago. He's He's purposely what he's doing in his profile is always is obviously gearing more towards strikeouts and it has it was working it has been working early on that's why Webb's uh, Webb's strikeouts aren't an accident Ezra I do agree there I do think we that's why the strikeouts have been up early and that's why I think they're going to continue to stay there I think I think Webb made that uh, I think Webb purposely made that that change in his, in his attack and what he's doing and uh, yeah like I said we talked about him a couple shows ago I don't have the specifics obviously right in front of me right now but yes what he is what Webb is doing the strikeouts seem to be here to stay so louis varland i wanted to bring him up because this is what caught my attention look at these velocity gains we're talking at least yeah okay so we're talking big look at that. uh 393 almost three full miles per hour on the fastball absurd the cutter on what two and a half miles per hour the change up off speeds on this like a change up you, you don't really care you actually want to see a larger but these you know now that we have it's still 10 miles per hour 11 mile per hour difference between the uh between the four seam and change up compared to the i think it was 10 last year it's still 
not much there, but the slider itself, the slider was also up big time with a what two a little over two miles per hour on that. He looked great outside of those back to back home runs in the first inning. Varland looked every bit legitimate like the rest of this uh, rotation has been. I'm really curious to see if we get, I haven't even looked into the pitch mix movement changes, if there has been any, a lot less vertical movement on the slider, whatever. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is stuff I should have done off. I should have done more of off before I record. I was just curious. I just noticed this about Marlin. I wanted to talk about him as a big time watchless guy, just based on the fact that the, you see what the twins are doing with their pitching staffs. Not to mention Barland offered, you know, four pitch mix, throwing at least throwing all four at least 16% of the time while upping that velocity tremendously and looking good in the process. I do think Varland could be a streamer if he gets a bit of run later in the season. A guy you need to keep on your watch list. You can't in in re and in, in, in redraft formats. The issue is you have Bailey Ober there. You have um uh what's his name coming back from he's on a he's on a rehab right now. That uh Winder, I think Josh Winder, right? Is his name? I could be I apologize if I got that wrong, but he's a guy that uh that like he's part of this mix that could be called up. And if there's an injury, which you know the twins pitchers have had in the past, Varland becomes a very interesting player. Or if Varland is dealt and gets a starting spot on another team come midseason, he's a guy you pick up because of the just the promise he showed in the in the one outing against the Yankees. And we talked about Brad Keller a little bit, or I think I think I meant to. So Keller, although had a bad outing, oh, that's Singer. Where's where, where, where did I put my Keller stuff? Oh, I have notes on Keller, so I have Singer back up, but we'll bring up Keller anyway. I don't know why Singer's paid. Oh, because Singer's part of my notes at the, at the end. Keller was towards the beginning, and I actually missed it. All right, so Keller. So Keller obviously had a rough outing the other night, but what we do like to see here is new sweeper, new curve, or the sweeper, sorry, the sweeper's been there. The sweeper's just not being utilized heavily. It's the curveball. He's utilizing 26.9% of the time, has a 32.8% whiff rate on it, and it's, like I said, two new pitches, and that one's being utilized far hev- more heavily than any other uh, new pit than the sweeper, and in general, it's the second most thrown pitch after not throwing it at all last year. Last, I know last outing wasn't the greatest of wasn't the greatest. He struggled with walks and he has been struggling with walks all year so far. But I don't know. I, like, I also like what we're seeing with the strikeout gains. And he's a streamer. There's no there's no way two ways about it. He's not nothing special. But Keller's always shown flashes of promise in the past. And what I like about Keller here is is uh what I like about Keller here is that he's just making these changes and that we've seen promising stuff in the past. I do think he's still more of a streamer. I know Eno really likes him. I don't have any real confidence starting him week in, week, week out, even in deeper formats. But I do like that we know we've seen him stay healthy. We've seen Keller have those flashes, as I mentioned. I do think that there's something here with that new pitch mix that at least early on teams haven't quite adapted just yet. I think you can get some good starts out of them. I know uh, someone asked, Robert asked if I if we missed the Wheeler breakdown. No, I'll do a Wheeler breakdown right now, though, live and see if I see anything worth mentioning. I like to look. I like to start. I'm just kind of going behind my, the scenes of my process here of what I like to start with. And for some reason I'm having issues. It's lagging. Okay. So here's Wheeler. I'm also playing up with Fangraphs. So I usually use two sites. I use Savant and Fangraphs. And what I'll do here, Savant. So right here, just looking, I don't even look at the sliders. I, I skip the sliders altogether. I, sk- I kind of skip all. I look at this. Like, okay, look, Woba, X Woba. You can see there's like a 50 point difference already. Some bad luck. I know he's had some bad, bad luck, I believe, too. Like, look, he's not even, he hasn't even let up a barrel this year. That's pretty absurd. The fact that he hasn't even allowed a barrel and still gotten lucky. But uh, we look at his velocity. The velocity is right in line with last year. The sinker, everything. So sinker's down a bit, but the, f- the fastball is in line with last year. The slider, where's the slider from? It's actually up from last year. I don't know. I'm looking at it in the whiffs. He's getting 47.6% whiff rate on the slider. The fastball still getting whiffs. So, okay, it's not a stuff issue. In my, I, I've had to go look at the stuff numbers, obviously, the stuff plus numbers, but. It's not a stuff issue, so we go here. I'll look at, okay, look, he's been unlucky with strands. A strand rate again. Left on base percentage is pretty much your strand rate, and it's been rather unlucky. His ground ball rate, lower than usual. The home run to five ball rate, he's not even getting hit. He's not, it's not even home runs. 
it's just it looks like it's and Babbitt 367 career 298 and a 287 288 respectively last two years is the shift hurting him a little more I don't I, he's getting the strikeouts again obviously he's walking a little more than you like but maybe it's he maybe he's walking more because he's trying to induce more whiffs or chases in order to not let the ball hit the ground because obviously bad Babbitt luck but overall bad luck strand rate Bad luck, bad Babbitt, or bad luck, Babbitt. I do think that's where you're going to get these fixes here because obviously if you look at the underlying metrics, yes, the XFIP is 406, but you also have a FIP, XERA, you know, one's a sub three, one's, a, one's barely above three. And then let's look at the Sierra, one of my favorite ones to go to here. Still 3.92, but if you're giving me like a mid to high four ZRA or high three ZRA right now, that's a win. Uh, but at the end of the day, all this really suggests is that he's pretty much almost he's almost a full run better than he's been is what I'm getting at because there's so some it's still early so somewhere in the middle of all these underlying metrics is the truth and I don't think the four seven er four seven nine era is going to be uh, something that sustains itself and if we look into the player the let's look into the uh, play discipline stuff so he's not inducing those chases so that's what I'm getting at maybe he's trying to and that's where the walk is coming from because he's not getting the chase where he usually gets I'm wondering if there's other numbers off this year because like I feel like these are some some notable pitchers like and this is a guy that's 36 percent 35.2 percent 36 percent each last three years respectively with Philadelphia on the O swing only 29.5 percent is there some stuff being misread here on the let's we can go back to his I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look at it real quick on his uh see if the chase rate on uh Savant what that's showing if i could find that on the fly the chase rate there no the chase rate there's also low 25.4 percent on that so he is not getting the chases like he normally does that's part of the issue maybe that's why the walks are up however swing strike rate right in line with last year still getting those called strikes like he normally does a little higher than usual actually uh all things considered, though i'm not really too concerned with well with wheeler there's nothing here he's not allowing a ton of hard contact he's actually allowing less contact overall than he has in the in years past um, it comes down to a bad Babbitt block and and unfortunate strand rates, I think. I don't see Wheeler being an issue too much moving forward. I think it's just, again, I really do think it's more of the bad Babbitt block here. Uh, DVR's favorite player of all time, that's why I like to coin him, Victor Robles. I just wanted to bring him up. There's a couple guys here, Victor Robles and uh, Luis Garcia of the Nationals, because Nationals don't have much going for them. I talked about, I just want to talk about a couple guys I found interesting. Now, some bad, some good Babbitt block here for Robles. But he's striking out less than ever, walking more than ever. So the plate discipline has been very strong for him early on. We have Robles with three stolen bases and he's three for three. The power is a zero. Right now it's a zero home runs. And that's not going to change all that much. And I'll tell you why. Barely barreling the ball. One barrel in the year, 2.1%. A 25.5% hard hit rate, which is pretty much in line with what he does. But another issue is also that ground ball rate. It's actually the worst it's been since 2017, where it's 50. It's actually the worst of his career then, obviously. 53.5% ground ball rate. Yikes. Not going to help him with anything besides. But his speed is plus. So the BABIP, the stuff like that will be fine with a ground ball rate. He'll be able to go. And the batting average can even play up a little bit if he's hitting all sides, all parts I feel like he has been. But so it's one of those things where like, if you need speed, some batting average help, he might be able to help you there. You're seeing gains in contact rates. He has his he has best contact rates of his career across the board as as of right now. While having while having the lowest amount of uh, those call strike rates are actually in his favor too, but the lowest amount of swinging strike rate in his career and chasing the least amount. He's chasing the second least amount of his career to this point as well. That's Victor Robles I'm discussing, and a guy that's just like he's rather meh. He's rather just meh, but a, a guy that I like a lot more is Luis Garcia. And I looked into him yesterday, so I'm kind of just, I know, it's always the third one down, by the way. The Luis Garcia I'm referring to is the Nationals one, and he's always the third player down picked on the list to pick from Luis Garcia's. And the batting average has been rather bad, but we're talking a three, 214 BABIP, an 8% strikeout rate, and a 4% walk rate. The walks aren't there, but he does not strike out a lot, and he never really has. So we're seeing we saw two home runs early on, bad BABIP luck. 
So it makes you wonder what's going on. The Woba being 279, the ex-Woba being 390. We're talking about a guy with an ex-Woba over 100, 111 points higher than his actual Woba. That tells you enough, right? That tells you some stuff right there that's going on there. Not to mention the uh, StatCast stuff. You know, he's again, career high and hard hit rate so far. Bell rate kind of in line with last year for the most part. I think he's another guy hitting way too many ground balls right now. That's part of the issue, 54.5%. But it's the plate, the plate discipline has me really encouraged, and he does have above average speed. Look at the gains in, in his chase rate so far, 31.5% compared to 43.7% last year for Luis Garcia. The Z contact, we're talking an elite zone contact number, 96.8%. And, the re, and look, just a 4.8% swing strike rate, another elite metric, to, or elite number in that metric. And now the reason why – this has my attention is because Garcia is still swinging as aggressively as last year. He's a very aggressive swinger. He has a 54.5% swing rate compared to a league average 46.5% swing rate. He had that last year, but Garcia had that while chasing a ton. Now he's has that same. He's actually more aggressive at the plate while swinging at far less pitches outside the zone. So he's not only recognizing the zone better, but he is being more, he is purposely swinging at pitches. He is, Getting those swings in on pitches in the zone, the Z swing percentage, which is the zone, you know, the amount you're swinging in the zone is 81.6% of the time compared to 68 last year. And he's again, the, the overall O swing was way down. We talked about it. While, while the O swing is being down, he's making a he's making a ton more contact outside the zone as well. And he's getting attacked at first pitch strike, or yeah, I think it's first pitch strike. Yeah, first pitch strike percentage, I had a blank there of 70%. And if you go look, if you actually look at uh, his his savant page you'll notice that garcia's first pitch swing rate is also up so he's he real i think he realizes that pitchers are attacking him early in the zone early in the in the count in the zone and i think garcia is trying to combat that by sweeping more aggressive early in the count so all things considered there's a lot i like under the hood here for garcia i do think that better days are ahead he needs to get the ball off the ground more he is hitting way too many ground balls however there's just a guy hitting that making that much contact with a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed he has the tools for both there's some intrigue there. Now, he's is he beyond 15-team relevant? Not right now. He has moved up to fifth in the lineup. Since batting fifth, he's obviously flourishing uh, over 1,000 OPS while batting fifth, but we're talking such a small sample, it's hard to take anything beyond that away. But what I wanted to bring up was, let's see, his uh, pulled fly balls. I'm just curious. So, his, yeah, his, he's not pulling enough fly balls. And I like to look at this as a power, because uh, obviously if the power is there, great. But if he's pulling the ball on the ground 69% of the time, that's not going to play up for the power potential. Uh, all things considered, though, again, deeply guy, middle infield type, nothing overly special, but just a guy that uh, just a guy that has my attention and someone that I've been in on since the preseason. So maybe I'm a little biased there, hoping which casting a little bit, to be honest, but a guy that, again, shows some promise. Somebody in the in the uh, Robert in the comments are bring, bring brought up Jake McCarthy. So let's talk about him. a guy that I wasn't in on. It was one of the things I kept saying I wasn't out on. But then by the end of the season, I'm like, I guess I am out on him because I have no shares of him and I never found him appealing in drafts as I built my teams. And this is, he's kind of doing what I expected. Now he is running still two stolen bases, obviously, but he's two for three. So he, he, still, he got caught still somehow managed to get caught with these new rules. Still not striking out a whole lot. So that's good. 15.5%. Really bad, uh, really bad Babbitt luck. Only 186. A guy with plus speed should play up to better Babbitts, but bad Babbitt luck nonetheless. Look at, looking at the metrics, the hard hit rates down from last year, barreling the ball. He was never much of a barrel guy. And if you look at 2021, his barrel rate was 2.7%. In his 37 events, so small sample. Right now, it's 2.3%. I bet you if we broke down last last year in terms of halves, the first half was probably terrible. The second half probably carried him. I guarantee it because he was a guy that really no one cared about until he took off the final month, two months of the season. Uh, 46.3% ground ball rate, still a bunch of ground balls. Not as much as last year, but infield fly ball rates spiked as well. It's a uh, just the, the profiles, whatever. It's um, We're going to look at the other stuff too, the plate discipline. So he's not chasing a whole lot. 
again, elite zone contact and, and, and really strong, probably near elite. I'd say pretty elite swinging strike percentage. So he's not missing the ball a lot. He's hitting the ball in the zone, but it's the lack of quality of contact. I think it's really hurting him right now. The ground balls. I uh, don't think he's not much of a quality of contact guy, though. He, I think he's going to run through hot stretches. A, a guy that hits the ball that much in the zone, a guy who doesn't chase a whole lot, and a guy who doesn't have a lot of swinging strikes. I think that it's it's usually a rather safe profile. So a lot of it, I think a lot of his misfortune is the bad Babbitt block being. I mean, we're talking 183. That even on the low end, if he if McCarthy was like a two a three twenty four Babbitt guy, which he was in twenty twenty one. That should still play up to a better, but even even with that, that year when he did that, he was striking out a lot more. He's not striking out nearly as much. I would expect him to be. I would expect better days ahead. But we also see him not playing every day. He he hits towards the bottom of the lineup. McCarthy does. Yeah, and I agree. He Robert uh, Robert mentioned that he was rising so high in drafts. Yes, McCarthy was a very high riser in drafts. He was a guy that people wanted all of and. You either, you either what it was is you either bought into the second half being who he was or you didn't. And I tend to be a little more pessimistic these days in second half breakouts because they've burned me in the past buying too highly into them. When the price outweighs the uh, skill set for me, I feel like there was a, a real, real big potential for bust. And it's still too early to say he's a bust, but by the way, but so far it is. If you want to take an early victory lap, and I'm saying that with air quotes for those listening, technically, yeah, I could take one. But I'm just not because again, there's some stuff in that profile I actually really like. But not he's not somebody I'm buying low on in a trade lead. He's not if someone dropped him, I'd maybe add him, but I wouldn't be you can't start him right now. He's a he's a bench unless you absolutely need, need, need stolen bases. He's a guy that's rather replaceable right now. And I I wouldn't want to drop him in deeper formats and shallow formats. I think you could honestly and get and probably pick him back up when he gets hot again. But he's just not doing it right now. And it's hard to say. And again, the fact he's not playing every day against lefties, he plays against some, not all. And when he does get in lineup, it's usually in the bottom third of the lineup. There's a lot just concerning here in terms of uh McCarthy. Uh, Robert asked about Solaire. I think Solaire is kind of just doing his usual thing. I, I haven't looked into him because this is what Solaire does. He runs hot, runs cold, runs hot, runs cold. And right now he's running hot. Typical bad, <laughs> typical batting average. Strikeouts are actually way down, closer to what we saw in 2021, which is actually very encouraging because if he could be closer to that version, then he can actually maybe hit 240, 250. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's where it becomes intriguing because he already has five home runs. We know the power is legitimate. I don't have to look into power metrics. He's usually one of the top guys in power. The bad bip isn't outlandish. It is the highest it's been since 2020 when, and he still only hit 228 that year. So I don't know if 260 is a legitimate likely outcome. I think he's closer to 230, 240, but the power is very real. And the strike, it's, it's the strikeout gains for me that have me encouraged that maybe there's more to the batting average that meets the eye. Cause if he's not striking out as much, obviously that probably leads to a better batting average because he's put more balls in play just too early to say if that's going to sustain or not, because well, let's compare it to 2021 then because 2021 was that year for him where 83.6% zone contact this year versus 84.8. Okay. That's rather similar. So the overall contact rate is down from that year. The swing strike rate is in line with that year. The chase rate is in line with that year. I think that there's more, there's, there actually is a, it looks like early on, it's early on. There's more similarities in his 2023 output to his 2021 output compared to the 2022 struggle output, which was the first year of a, not really a big deal for him, but you know, it was a rather, it was like his biggest contract. It was the first time a new team, new contract. Uh, but ultimately, I still wouldn't expect that 267 batting average to uphold for Solaire. I, but I do, I am encouraged by some of the things we're seeing because again, it's closer to the 2021 version than the 2020 version that he was showing to be last year. But there are some things that are still bad, like his old contact is still really low, so it's not going to play. If so, as long as he's not chasing, he isn't, and he misses on those pitches outside zone, that's fine. However, if he if he starts chasing more and that contact rate doesn't go up, then yeah, you're going to see the strikeout spike. You're going to see the batting average plummet. Stuff like that. So early on, again, it's such an early look. 
some of it makes sense at least, but Solaire, uh, so far closer to the 2021 version, in my opinion, with a little, but again, it's the, uh, but it's the, uh, it's the, the I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I think I have one more guy I want to talk about one, real quick and then we, we'll get out of here. Uh, Tyler, I put, oh, I put Tyler Wells is interesting. <laughs> That's all I put. I don't know really, like, I say interesting in the context of a streaming type because look, he's not good. Like, he's not special. He doesn't walk anybody, pitches in a favorable ballpark. The K's aren't going to be a, a help for him. But the team is playing well. Obviously, some bad, bad luck. I think his stuff plus was 100. And that's what caught my attention because he has decent stuff plus for a guy that no one cares about. He features a five-pitch mix where he throws four of them at least 14% of the time. The curveball had a 33.3% whiff rate on it last I looked. But he only throws that. He throws at the least of his of his, of his pitches. Uh, that's pretty much it with him. It's more so like, like yeah, like look, like all the underlying metrics for Wells is like, okay, he's closer to a mid four pitcher. And honestly, I'm not surprised right now. It's like sub four ERA right now. It's 3.86. So he's just a guy. He is the true definition of a Jag, but in deeper formats, if you, you I feel like you could stream him relatively safely as well. Okay. It's like kind of a safe streamer. Say, and when I say safe, I mean, if he's facing Detroit, if he's at home with one soft matchup and then maybe a tougher matchup, you can kind of gamble, but this is like super deep league stuff. I'm kind of touching on with him. It's just a, Again, just whatever. I'm about to jump in. So that's going to do it for this. I think that's going to do it for this episode, this this stream. I'm going to dive into yesterday's Savant stuff. So the Patreon, don't forget to check it out. Check us out there where I put all this information throughout the week, but like the next day when it comes out. So and then the streams, I highlight some of the stuff. So in the, in the podcast. So check us out on patreon.com slash GTE fantasy. Uh, the YouTube, obviously, subscribe if you're new and expect. I think I'm going to try to go live tomorrow highlighting yesterday's uh or today and yesterday's content or information so we'll see if i can get a few more names and i appreciate those that watch don't forget to watch rerun subscribe really goes a long way we're trying to get this youtube monetized so uh shameless plug there uh, if you're listening five star rating reviews greatly appreciated but until next time i'm mike with the base load podcast slash gt fantasy whatever you want to call it and uh we'll talk probably tomorrow yeah tomorrow